there, folks, and thank you for listening. I'm Joanna. And I'm Nate, and we are Stranger Than, a podcast about the misunderstood, mysterious, creepy, or just plain weird. This episode, we're going to be talking about this thing where people have been disappearing from state parks. National parks. National parks. America's national parks, which, disclaimer here, I don't want to discourage people from visiting our national parks because... They're really, really a great thing, and some of the most beautiful things that you can see are in our national parks, and this would just be like a cautionary tale, I guess, some of the stuff we're going to talk about, and just to be aware of what's going on you at all times, but... Whatever is going on, since yes. nobody knows what's going on. That's true. That's true, and we don't answer that for you either. Uh, Stranger Than is more about um, questions that pro- might lead to other questions, but very little answers we don't have the answers to anything nothing we've got no answers we've got nothing we've got nothing but uh there is some interesting stuff that has happened in our national parks many people have gone missing from our national parks i've found numbers from 1100 to 1600 now that is over the past 125 years or so however most of the occurrences have happened in the latter part of the 20th century to the beginning of the 21st century so it comes down to about nine to like 12 people a year, which doesn't sound like much, except that it's like nine to 12 people a year that oftentimes are never seen again. They're yeah. just completely fucking gone. Never seen again is like a major recurring theme here <laughs> on this podcast, on this subject. Uh, that's what happens to yeah a lot of people. Never seen again. Nothing found No clues, just gone. And it is weird because uh, numbers I found in 2012, there were 661,000 people reported missing. That's it in that whole year. In In, all of the U.S.? In all of the U.S. And quickly, 659,000 of those were canceled, whether it was the person returned, there's like a misunderstanding, Mm -hmm. perhaps a body was identified that was in a morgue someplace. So that leaves 2,079 unresolved in 2012. Okay. Uh, so that's like a large percentage of those were found. That's mm-hmm. that's a shitload yeah. that like were most... found. It's a very small number unresolved for all of the ones that are... Uh, for all the ones that are reported every year? For all year. the reports, yes. Okay. Now another, another one in 2013, it was 194 Amber Alerts involving 243 children over the entire United States. 185 of the 194 Amber Alerts resulted in the recovery of the child or children. So that's 95% that were found, that the kids were found. So to, for someone to just disappear is actually pretty fucking rare. Yeah, like it just really shouldn't happen, especially, you know, in in this age that we're living in with, you know, we got all sorts of uh, heat-sensing cameras and canines that can scent people for miles and miles and... A lot of these um, practices were used trying to find some of the kids that have gone missing in national parks, and it's just like nothing, which just, it shouldn't happen. You should be able to locate somebody um, using that kind of technology. You should be able to, to locate a missing person, so. It's oftentimes children or people who are like in graduate programs or the physically or mentally challenged of some sort. Those are mm-hmm. the ones that mostly go missing. And it's usually in plain sight, basically, that they go missing. Like, the first person in a group of people or, like, the last person will just suddenly, poof, disappear. Right. 
And in all of these cases, or well, at least in most of these cases, they have people looking for them. They don't just be like, oh, no, I don't know where Jim went. Like, shit, where the fuck did Jim go? Let's let's call people and have, like, search for him. Right. So they'll call, like, have hundreds of people looking for them, and they'll search huge amounts of areas and not find anything or find weird things. Like, like they'll find the guy's shirt right. folded with the shoe on top of it. Just one shoe. Or if they do, normally it's the children that they end up finding. And so if they do find a child, it'll be like, wearing their clothes backwards and the kid can't dress let alone undress themselves so that's super weird also the distance sometimes uh, there's been like a couple where it was like toddlers and they were found hours later like 12 miles from where they disappeared 12 miles uphill right over rough terrain and it's like there's no way like a two-year-old child could have gone that far in like five fucking hours it's yeah, it's pretty uh, extraordinary circumstances, I'd it's say. And pretty crazy. Just, yeah, when it's a kid, it's like immediate response. You think, you know, hundreds of people ser- searching, you know, several mile radius within hours of when somebody went missing, you'd be able to find that person. But Especially with children, because you know when a kid is gone that it's not good. Right. An adult walks off, and maybe they just get sick of yeah, stuff. Yeah, maybe Who they have their own I mean, reasons. But with the child, it's normally like, oh, no, we got to find this kid. Yeah, the kid just wouldn't have, you know, decided like, oh, hey, I think I want to just never be seen again. And sometimes when they do find him, if they, you know, oftentimes when they find any of these people, they're they're no longer alive. But it'll be at a place where the search and rescue people have been constantly like we'll be walking up this one particular path over day in and day out and then. One day they'll walk up the path and there'll be a tree down and then the corpse will be on a tree across the path. Just like, well, where the hell did that come from? It's not mm-hmm. like they didn't look there. They just, it they just looked there for dozens some reason of times. showed up then. Although that can happen with like my car keys. I feel like I can look in the same spot like a hundred times. You got all your kids and I, family looking yeah, for I it. Yeah, I checked. Yeah, like I've checked my purse like 300 times for my keys. And then like the 301st time I look in my purse there, they are suddenly like at the bottom. Yeah, but your purse does put Mary Poppins' bag to shame, so... <laughs> it does, kind of, with the size and the amount of things I tend to cram into it. It's You've got a lamp in there, don't you? I do. I do. And so losing my keys in my purse is not an unusual occurrence. That happens pretty much everywhere I go. It's Time Lord, te- time Lord technology. Bigger <laughs> on the inside. Yes. Uh, I watched some Doctor Who last night. Scarlet wanted to watch the... the um, angels of the weeping angels episodes oh, again yeah good. she loves them she loves them that's some that's some good stuff they're freaky as shit dude i mean when they like when it flashes and all of a sudden they're just like up there with their fucking fangs and their nails and oh my god yeah it's pretty creepy it creeps me the fuck out i used time. to have those as a revolving desktop on my computer until i just got sick of being terrified right like you can only take so much fear those things are like never not scary that's true other similarities in these national park disappearances besides you know the people that we've covered is the actual parks themselves they they tend to be in areas near water whether it be like the ocean or a river usually there's mountains like if you see pictures of all these different places they all look very similar there's mountains and oftentimes there's not a lot of shrubbery and bushes and what have you around for people to like hide out in so there's not a lot of places for people to not be seen when they're when they're trying to find them but the 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 terrain is difficult though the terrain may be difficult but oftentimes you can still see for quite some Mm -hmm. ways so 
when you've got an a, a helicopter. Yes. So you've got a helicopter, and you're flying around in a helicopter with forward-facing infrared heat sensing, all this shit. Like, you should be able to find someone in this. It's not, it's not a lot obfuscating them. They're not in a rainforest or anything. Right. Like I wonder that. what I would like to see what that does pick up though when you do that. I mean, like, how many animals would that pick up? Probably quite a few. Yeah. So I mean, how do you? The shape of an animal is quite a bit different than the shape of a right. Human. But is it that? Is it that specific that it can actually show like? Well defined, what the shape is. I guess it would depend like, on would you the be able to background see the... temperature of everything. Yeah, would you be able to see it and be like, oh, that's a that's a fucking squirrel? Oh, I think the size definitely. I mean, a squirrel. Well, a squirrel just... versus human, but what about something that was more human sized? Like, how would you be able to tell? That's weird. Probably the way it's moving. Chances are pretty good if it's nighttime, a human's going to be laying in one place, right? Laying in a way that you recognize as a human way to lay. Well, in any case, I mean, it's it seems like pretty good technology that should be able to find. Regardless, yeah, somebody. exactly. I mean, there should definitely. It, it seems like if they were still there, then you'd be able to find them. Right. Another 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 thing similarity is they're near huckleberry bushes, which I don't know if it's just because huckleberry bushes grow in those areas. That could well be the case. I think that might go into the Bigfoot theory. Perhaps a bit. maybe maybe they're being spirited away by some interdimensional or yeah or you know maybe they just live in those areas and people have never seen them and you know they like they like huckleberries so they live in stuff well who doesn't really well yeah huckleberries are fucking good if i had enough huckleberries if i had access to enough huckleberries i would make some huckleberry wine so maybe in areas where there's huckleberries growing wild that you know they might have their their digs set up somewhere there and then they see like a kid or an elderly person and the first or last of a group, a straggler, or somebody running ahead, and they just snatch them. True, but some of the stories that I read and watched interviews about were, like, tools would go missing. Like, and they would never find any of the tools. Well, maybe Bigfoot likes tools. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe he has a whole tool collection at this point. Maybe well, and I mean, it wouldn't be one Bigfoot, cave. obviously, because some of these, they're, some of these, you know, weird disappearances, um... You know, we have national parks all over the country, and there's, uh, you know, clusters in one side of the country. Like, a lot of it's the California and Yosemite area, some in, Wa- in Oregon and some in Washington. And then there's, like, Great Smoky Mountain National Park all the way. Uh, it's, what is it, border of North Carolina and Tennessee. Right, right. So uh, that's way across the country. And then, of course, you know, from Washington down to Southern California, that's a that's a big long stretch lots of wilderness around there right so i mean obviously it would be like a whole bigfoot species i guess there would be several bigfoots not just one bigfoot doing all these (laughs) big feet the big feet clan yeah i don't know uh they don't seem to find any evidence around where the people where the children where the people have gone missing they that's it's mar- that's actually markedly something that happens. They don't find footprints will just suddenly stop, mm-hmm. as if they were vanished. As they, they, they vanished, they were spirited away. As if something yeah, they, they just, just were gone. disappeared they were in a thin one air. Standing someplace, the next minute they were wherever else they are or are now or whatever. But there's nothing around them that suggests anything violent. And if you guys want to know what uh, the top parks are for disappearances, I'll list them out for you here. Uh, number one was Yosemite, California. 
Yosemite National Park, Crater Lake National Park in Oregon, Mount Rainier National Park in uh, our hometown here of Washington State, Sequoia and Kings Canyon National Parks, again, California, Great Smoky Mountain National Park, which is, uh, like I said, North Carolina and Tennessee, Glacier National Park in Montana, and Rocky Mountain National Park in Colorado. Those are the top parks for um, weird missing cases and unusual uh, deaths. So we know now a bit the similarities between these cases, and we know where they are happened at and sort of some background information about missing people in general and how weird it is that when when you when people go missing and are never found so you've got some actual cases uh, things that have happened in these national parks stories of people gone missing and what have you first there's like disappearances and so one of them the top ones obviously was great smoky mountain national park lots of weird stuff there is Thelma Martin, age 58. She disappeared September 25th, 1981, never seen again. Dennis Martin, age 7. And this was like a huge one. This is one where, you know, there's so many people searching and he just seemed to disappear in a thin air. Him, him and his siblings and a couple of friends maybe were playing hide and seek. And it was like a field where you could see for a really long way. And, you know, kid just disappears. And within, you know, a few hours, they had hundreds of people searching. And this is one of the ones where the Green Berets showed up. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, and it was kind of like, uh, you know, not discussing why their presence was there as opposed to some other, you know, government agency. I mean, that's pretty, like, not typical. Like, most of the time, the Green Berets don't show up to to work a missing persons case in a national park. But they did on this one. And they couldn't even find her. Right, and they couldn't even, I mean, nothing. They're, they had canines, they couldn't pick up any scent. I mean, nothing was ever found of him, no trace of him, no clothing. And, um, yeah, this was way back, 1964, June 14th, 1964. Yeah, it's my birthday. Not the 1964 part. Right, but the, the June 14th part. Flag day. That's right. <laughs> so, yeah, seven-year-old kid missing and never found again. More recent one was Michael Heron, age 51, uh, missing since August 23rd, 2008. And this is another really weird one. Trini Gibson, a girl, age 16, she was with her class on a field trip to Great Smoky Mountain National Park. She disappeared while they were hiking back up to, I guess, the turnout where the buses were. And so there were students in front of her and students behind her. Like, she was kind of surrounded by people. And started off the hike people saw her and they I guess it was just you know kind of up a hill and like in some wooded area but people were a little bit spread out I guess never made it back to the bus disappeared somewhere in between where they started the hike back from and the buses and like like I said people just everywhere so she just disappeared right out of thin air nothing was ever found of her her father her father thinks that someone abducted her from the park but there's no evidence of it. But at there's all. no evidence of uh, either being abducted or some or her, her falling or some sort of accident happening to her. I'm sure she's that they gone. had people looking for her after they noticed she was gone. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. She's with the school. They don't just be like, oh, lost kid. Oh well. Right. I know. Like on a school field trip, like that was something where it was kind of immediately reported that somebody was missing, and 
And again, tons of people searching everywhere for her, and just no trace of her was ever found. So that was back in uh, October 8th, 1976. Crater Lake National Park, uh, another one on our top list. There were several disappearances, three of which involved boys that were of a young age. Two of them were eight years old, and one was 14 years old. And all three have uh, never been found so the first one would be Derek Engbritson, and he was eight years old. Disappeared on December 5th, 1998. He was with family, and the tra- they did find tracks after it was noted. Like, it was kind of one of those situations where I think they were with, he was with his dad and his grandfather, and they each thought that the boy was with the other. Oh, right. And then once it was discovered he was missing, they went back to where their car was parked in a turnout, and it was snowing at the time, and there were tracks of his leading up to the turnout to where the car was. And then once he got up to where the car was, he made a snow angel, which I think is, like, the saddest thing ever. And that was the last thing they ever and saw. And that was, was the last snow, thing they ever saw angel. because it was right next to the road, so a snowplow had been by and had like obliterated everything. They couldn't find any tracks beyond the snow angel. So they don't know if he, if somebody came along the road and grabbed him or if he went back into the woods. But the father thinks that he wouldn't have just gone back into the woods alone. Like if he was separated from his dad and grandfather and went back up to the car and made a snow, he's probably just waiting around for somebody to come back. And a parent, especially when the child is of that age, the parent knows the kid pretty well. Right. Right. Like, I would know what my daughters would likely to, you know, do or not do in any kind of situation. Like, I'd be like, oh, yeah, like, Olivia would never do that. Or, no, totally she would do that. So. So, yeah, he was never found. And um, three years later in 2001, this is really, really fucked up. There's a handwritten letter arrives in the mailbox of the parents. A, a handwritten letter? Yeah. Like, not a typed letter. Like, it was, right. a, it, was it was something that was mailed through the post office. It wasn't like somebody just dropped it. Oh, okay. So it came in an, an actual yeah. envelope and everything. Yeah. But it was just written out all by hand. And it said, I know who took your son. And so, apparently, it ended up being the cellmate of this guy, uh, Frank Milligan, who um, was a state youth authority worker of all things. Like, that's fucking great. Right. So working with kids for the state, employed by the state, working with kids. And apparently he was serving a prison sentence because in July of 2000, he approached a 10-year-old boy at a park in Dallas, it says, and offered the boy $100 to mow his lawn. 100 bucks to mow his lawn. Right. The boy agreed, but when uh, they reached his car, the guy asked him, do you want to live or do you want to die? And at that point, he overpowered the boy. He bound his hands with duct tape. He stopped just north of Salem, uh, forced the boy to walk down a dirt road, and then sexually assaulted him. He choked the boy and pushed his face into the dirt, and then the kid passed out. And then he also cut the kid's throat and left him to die so this is this is like a totally different kid 
he's this is what he's in jail for. This is what he is in jail for. Okay. This is what he was caught and convicted for. And Dallas... Because the boy actually lived. All right. So, yeah. So the kid, by some miracle, fucking wakes up with his, like, throat cut and uh, how... shit. And, like, stumbles out into a road. And then a passing motorist, you know, fucking helps him. And he lives. Which is great for him. But, um... But yeah, I think that's how they they caught him was because this victim lived, and I guess so he ID'd the the guy who did this to him. Right, and then I guess in 1997 he's he was accused of a sexual attack on an 11 year old boy in Seaside. So, so uh, that's why he was in jail. So that's why he was in jail. He was serving a 36 a year pedo. sentence because he yeah he's a fucking pedophile who assaulted young boys and uh, tried to murder at least one, and this is the guy this this guy's cellmate. Sends a letter to the police and to the parents of the missing boy, Derek, so saying then, that while, this while guy the... confessed to killing Derek. So, like, he told his cellmate, like, yeah, oh, he... I also killed this kid. Yeah, he's like, yeah, I totally killed this other kid, and uh, which he identified as Derek. And so his cellmate, you know, tells on him. The parents even go so far as to, like, you know, with the uh, probably the prosecuting attorney's office or something, they strike a deal so that he doesn't get the death penalty if he led them to the body of Derek that he wouldn't face charges that would get him on death row. So they'd keep him out of out of, off the electric chair or whatever right. if he actually like showed the parents where the body was. Right. But then he totally recanted his his testimony when it came down to signing. And he never got charged with it because he never, like, officially confessed or signed anything. And so the place he said the body was, they never found anything. So, so. the actual guy – oh, so the actual guy did say – Yeah, he said asked, it was – He in, said, oh, yeah, I did that shit. Yeah. And here's where it is. Uh-huh, except that they searched except where he said it there. was it, where it was and there was nothing. And then the guy took back everything he, he said. He was like, fuck it, I was just lying. Yeah. So, really, who knows? I mean, I would think that it could be a possibility, but then some of these guys will to see missing persons reports and try and profit off it. Maybe the cellmate was trying to get something for himself by saying the guy confessed, and who knows? But then, I mean, the guy who allegedly confessed, right? He, he also he did it, also but maybe I mean, you know, he, maybe he just did it to fuck with people because he's a sociopath. So just up until the point where he had to like sign it and make it legal, he right. was like, "Oh, never mind." Just never mind. Do that. Yeah. And the fact that they didn't it didn't pan out and find the body. I'm just gonna fucking torture you guys a little bit because I got nothing fucking else to do. Serving print, you know, serving prison sentence for already being a fucking piece of shit. So. Right. Now we'll yeah. fuck that guy anyway. Yeah, totally fuck that guy. Oh my god, thirty six years. I think that's kind of a light sentence when you consider like one of those kids he cut his throat and left him for dead. Like, that was his fucking intent, for sure. You oh, yeah. You don't cut somebody's throat and think, like, oh, they're going to be okay. No, you're like, I, I was just incapacitating them with the, with the cut of the throat. Right. Just trying to subdue him. Yeah, no. What a piece of fucking shit. Yeah, definitely. Fuck that guy. Yeah. This one happened, this one with Samuel um, Bulk, I think is how you pronounce the last name. His, he's eight years old. And he disappeared 10-14-2006. So it was about, like, what, like eight years after the other eight-year-old? So you could almost, like, I mean, just eight years between two eight-year-old boys going missing in this area. And then the fact that in 97 this guy did something, and in 2000 that, you know, the guy that was in jail, he attacked two boys that we know of in 1997 and in 2000. But you never know. The two could be related. I know I'm getting (laughs) 
it's, it gets muddled here, all these missing people, all these missing children, which is just fucking awful. There shouldn't be so many. There really shouldn't. So And not found. Right, and nothing ever found of them. It's just fucking horrible. So Samuel Bulk, age 8, disappeared October 14, 2006, and him and his dad were just walking uh, one of the trails off the turnouts, and he just runs ahead of his dad, kind of, you know, goes around a corner or whatever, a little bit ahead of him, and then just disappears. Never seen again. And Samuel, I guess, was on the autism spectrum. So not only was he a child, but he was, you know, a special needs child. Or and it goes with the uh, goes with the mentally or physically challenged similarity. Right. I mean, although people with autism aren't necessarily mentally challenged, but might be apt to behave differently. Behaviorally challenged. Right. <laughs> Sometimes it can be. Since, uh, you know, I have a, a nine-year-old with autism, so... Barely. It, <laughs> it, can be, it can be a little different sometimes. It's a, it's a little bit of a different ballgame going on there. But anyways, yeah, I mean, just kids never seen again. Obviously, tons of people searching for him and no trace of him is ever found. And then the other missing boy from Crater Lake was Edward Nye. He was 14 years old. This happened on June 22nd, 1978, and he was camping with his church group. And he told his brother, who was also on the trip, that he was going fishing alone. From there, he disappeared and has never been seen again. Did, did they find the fishing pole or anything like that? No, nothing was found. Just gone. Just gone. Just completely gone. And, yeah, probably, you know, on a church camping trip, probably not the type to be, like, a teen runaway. Like, oh, this is my chance. Probably not. I would wilderness. imagine that you know, this is... in the middle of the woods is not the place that a teenager would choose to run away. Right. At. It just seems like some place where they could get a bus ticket out or something would be... That would be the more likely scenario, right, I would say. Right, right. And then, uh, so the one I talked about before, Great Smoky Mountain National Park, and this one I just discussed, Crater Lake National Park, they have a couple of uh, disappearances where the bodies were actually found, but really weird circumstances under which the bodies were found. The first one from... Great Smoky Mountain National Park was a kid named Bruce Haig, and he was 16 years old. He was a Boy Scout. He disappeared February 7th, 1970. He was with the other scouts, and he was in the back of the line, so that's kind of a recurring theme. Don't be the, don't be the straggler in the back if you're going with a group. Don't be at the beginning and don't be at the end. <laughs> exactly, because that's where a lot of these ones where they disappear in a group of people happen to be. So there was a big search, and they didn't find him for quite a while, I think. And when they did find him, they found some of his clothes on a boulder in the middle of a river, just sitting on this giant boulder in the middle of a fucking river. So you would have had to, like, get wet, basically, and climb up this boulder and then take off your clothes and then climb back down and go on without your clothes. Not a super easy place to get to and kind of pointless to even do that. Right. Completely pointless to even do that. And I mean, you know, 16-year-old Boy Scout. So shit, at least a little bit. Yeah. You've got to be near an Eagle Scout at that point, right? Right, right. Like, I mean, my son's pretty close to going to be, he's like 15 and a half and he'll be probably Eagle within a year or two. So so there you go. So near. Yep. 
And then, so his body was found a little bit away from the river where, you know, the rest of his clothes were on a giant fucking boulder. His body was found just uh, sitting up against a tree and he had frozen to death. And he was wearing his pants, but uh, his pants were undone and pulled down to around his knees. That is kind of the same as this guy from that was found in Crater Lake that went missing. So, the guy's name is Charles McCuller, and he disappeared October 14th, 1976. He was 19 years old. It was already snowing pretty heavily at that park on the day he disappeared, but he was just out there. He wasn't, like, climbing or anything. He was out there to take photos of the park. So he wasn't trying to go super deep in there or anything, right. probably? Right. No, no. Just, you know, turning off the... the going at the turnouts and taking some pictures at probably scenic viewpoints that they have at most uh, national parks. Right, right. He was not found for over a year. Someone hiking way deep in there found his backpack, and then they took up the search again in that area and then found his body not far from where his backpack was found. Now, the weird part is, is that, so they found his pants and his socks his socks had foot bones in them, but in his pants, it was just one right broken tibia, which is like your shin bone. And so just, but just the bones, just no skin. Right. And just the one leg bone. I mean, you have several, you have your femur, you have your tibula, you have your fibula, maybe like Other there's a big bones. calf bone and a little, there's a shin bone and a bone behind it. So, and then your femurs and none of those were found in the pants. Just the one broken tibia in the right side and the foot bones in the socks. So was there evidence of predators or I mean, I imagine some of that would have been predator activity for sure. They never found his boots, though. His boots were missing, as well as his shirt and his coat were never found. his socks were still there. Yeah, so basically it was like a pair of pants sitting on a log with socks in them, with bones in the socks. And one leg bone in the pants. I mean, can you imagine coming upon that? And that's all that's left of this guy. That's super this, weird. Yeah, this pan, these pants and socks sitting on a log, but the rest of him is gone. They found, like, a part of his skull, like, the very top part of his skull. And then they found parts of his scapula and, like, one-inch pieces scattered around. But they never found his spine or his femurs and the scapula is the... Uh, That's the shoulder, the shoulder bone. Blades. Shoulder bone or the shoulder blades? It's like your shoulder blades. Oh, okay. So, yeah, that's pretty fucking weird. And, and of course, yeah, you can, you can attribute some of that to Scavengers animal. Scavengers and oh, yeah. animals I'm and sure, like I'm sure he made a meal for several animals. But, you know, I mean, a femur is big. I mean, even if an animal carried it off, you got to think that they're not going to carry it off very far. And it's not that if you gonna... search, like, you know, a certain mile radius, which they obviously did once they found him, you'd find it somewhere. You'd find it in a dent. Yeah. It just seems like there wouldn't still be things inside of clothing if it had been a lot of a lot of animal activity. Right. Think, like the clothes would be torn apart and you wouldn't find any bones because they would take yeah, everything. Yeah, not just an everything. intact part of, pair of pants with one broken leg bone stuck in them. It's very strange. And then again, yeah, no boots. And... Another really weird thing is, is that he was found 12 miles from the trailhead where his car was parked at. 
12 miles is a long way to go. 12 miles is a long way to go, especially when there was like 105 inches of snow that day on the ground. 105? Yes. Jesus Christ, that's a lot of fucking snow. Like, I don't even know how many feet that is, but it's several feet. That's nothing to scoff at. Yes, and, you know, can you wade through snow drifts that high that are like basically over your head for 12 fucking miles i don't think so no so it's like how the fuck did he get there that's yeah that's craziness and there's no explanations for this i'm sure people some people shout bigfoot and some people shout aliens but there's really or pterodactyls or or pterodactyls picked up and dropped picked up and dropped but super super weird shit yeah I mean, it's it's just, yeah, definitely stranger than, I'd say. Oh, yeah. Creepy as fuck. Take care in those national parks, folks. So Yosemite has a couple that are really unusual. There's the, the one, the Stacey Aris one, where uh, she was, it was a horseback. Yeah, they. I remember that one. They went on a horseback, like, seven miles deep into Yosemite, and... She went up to, she wanted to go take pictures of the lake once they got to their clothing, their their finishing point, and she went up and there was some old man up, up kind of in the direction, so she went up, took a few pictures up there and talked to him and told him that she was going to go down to the lake and now walked down to the lake and there was a tree line between where they could see from the cabins down to the lake, so she went through that tree line and when she didn't come back, they went down and checked and she was just gone, completely gone, so... They call on people to help look for her, and they did find the lens cap to her camera, but that was the only thing found, and she was... Only the lens cap to her camera. And she was never seen again. Like, I she took it off and the, set it down to take a picture, and then I believe gone. that was in the 1980s, the early 80s, yeah. I believe. Yeah, yeah. Just vanished. So, way back in 1943, a guy named Emerson Holt disappeared from there, and he was hiking with friends, and this is the thing, it was on a really wide, like, easy trail, the guy was on crutches, kind of hobbling along. So, so not super agile. Right. So, again, that kind of goes with, you know, like, either kids or somebody. Um, A physical challenge. Yeah, somebody who's physically challenged or elderly. And then a couple other ones out of Yosemite. And uh, so he was on this path and just disappeared. Yeah, just disappeared. Never found. And they're searching. With other they're, people, yeah. And I mean, sending tons of people out like, to search, where the, how the fuck, where the fuck are you going to go on crutches? And I guess the only body, body of water that was even remotely close to this trail was down to one inch depth. So it's not like, you know, he fell in some lake, in some deep lake, he fell off a cliff or something, and that's why they never found him. Like, they're, they should have been able to find this guy. It seems like it wouldn't be Even back difficult. in 1943, you know, yeah. Like I said, where the fuck are you going to go on crutches? Not, how far How far are you going to get? And not quick. And once you're off, uh, like, a paved or really, you know, smooth trail, like, how the fuck do you even get anywhere? You just fall down. It wouldn't be easy. You can't do crutches over rough terrain. Maybe had off-road crutches? I mean... <laughs> Right? Another guy, Kieran Burke, age 45, went missing in 2000. Another recent one, George Panka, age 30, missing uh, June 2011. Again, on a really well-defined trail with a church group. He was a little bit overweight, I guess. 
So again, you know, they thought that this was somebody who'd be found pretty easily. Like he wouldn't be able to get very far if he went off the trail and got lost or something. But he was not in gone. the best shape. Yeah, and hiking with other gone. members of a church, but nope, just gone. Never seen again. And then a strange death that occurred um, in Yosemite was there's a kid, Kenny Miller, age 12, disappeared 1992. He was just out of his parents' sight for a couple minutes and then just vanished like all the other kids, except his body was found several weeks later and some of his clothes were missing and he was up on a mountain ridge that was 1,400 feet higher than where he was last seen. Wow. So missing clothes and way the fuck up. And I mean, a 12-year-old kid can probably get that far, but why would you? Yeah, it seems like not really Why would you go 1,400 feet up? That's, that's the only thing I can think of is maybe he was trying, you know, if he was lost, maybe he was trying to go high to see. Maybe, maybe something, something was chasing him. And so he was just running yeah. blindly. I just see, I just feel like, you know, if you, if you're being chased or something's going on, you don't run up. True. Because true. you're slower going up. If it was like uphill or downhill and something was like chasing you. I don't know. My, my instinct would be to go down. Cause well, you should faster. always really go down. You should go downhill. Anytime you get lost, you should always go downhill or you should find a river and follow it downriver. Because Is that what you're, sp- are you you're supposed to do, downriver? You go down, yeah, you, okay. you follow the river. And that way, because it, eventually the river's going to make something. it to the ocean or to at least civilization. So always downriver and always, you, you probably want to go downhill. Okay, I was confused on the upriver or downriver, but that would be me. Well, upriver is going to send you up into a higher elevation. Yeah, and again, don't want to go so up. So you don't want to go up. <laughs> more people are going to live down where it's more hospitable. Mm-hmm. So we're from Washington State. So uh, Mount Rainier being on the list of where lots of people go missing in national parks is something that's fairly close to the Seattle area where we live. Now, I was a little shocked to find that Mount Rainier was actually on the list. Like, I would imagine people... Going missing just because, you know, it's a mountain trying to climb it. Lots of lots of bad shit can happen when you're trying to climb Rainier and summit Rainier. But And it does it does follow the some of the, the you know, points of similarities that the mountains and, you know, near water. Mm-hmm. So I bet you there's huckleberries there, too. Right. I, there are huckleberries in Washington and probably in the Mount Rainier area. It's been a while. I don't know if I've been to Mount Rainier National Park. I don't think I ever have, actually. I know I've been to the Olympic National Park because, right. like, that's close to the beach, and that's a nice place to go. But Mount Rainier National Park, it's like, like ooh, that's, that's going to be cold, like, no matter where, no matter what time of year you go. Depending upon how, how high up you go, I suppose. Right. Yeah, I don't know how what the National Park actually covers, which is terrible. I should I should make a point to, to see it. Now, I do love our national parks and, and like to visit them and encourage people to do so, as I said before. Now... That being, you know, Mount, Mount Rainier being on the list where a lot of people go missing, we, being from the area, have heard about stuff on the news about when people go missing and, and you know, specifically at this park, they, they'll report about it. So, you right, know, makes you the local news. Stuff. So Joanna cross-referenced what she knew from what happened from personal experiences and from news, re- news reports she remembers with the actual... But the web- actual, the site on the National Park's system website 
so a lot of the the information, a lot of these missing persons cases have been there's a guy, David Politis, who has written a series of books called The Missing 411, and I would love to read it. He has done so much research and tracking in these clusters of disappearances in national parks. It's He's a great resource, and I'd love to have the opportunity to read one of his books at some point in the future. But he mentions the fact that with a lot of these cases of missing people, like the national park system doesn't keep a good record of missing persons in national parks. Because why would they? I mean, it's not important. It's just people. Right. It's just people's kids and parents and siblings. So, and I mean, it seems a little unbelievable because it's our national parks. Like, you'd think something would be, like, people going missing would be, you it's know. a government agency. The government right, tracks they, they would, they would squares keep of toilet very paper good track of that. in a call center in Ohio that handles IRS complaints. You'd think they would handle missing people. Right, people that have gone missing. In their national parks that are just gone. Children and what have you. Yeah, because I believe national parks are, that's a federal, that's federally owned land. Right. So, I mean, technically that falls under the jurisdiction of like FBI, stuff like that. I mean, like in states where you can smoke marijuana legally, like when we went to uh, Mesa Verde in Colorado, and it would be the case here in Washington too, since it's also legal here. When you actually go into the, into the national parks, they have a sign saying that it's prohibited. You can't smoke weed in the national parks because it's still federally illegal. So you're oh, entering crazy. onto, yeah, you're, yeah. I noticed that Yeah, when we went to Mesa Verde in Colorado, it was like, oh, look at that because it's legal in Colorado, but they have a very big sign saying, do not smoke weed here in the national park because it's not protected by the state law. Don't bring your devil's cabbage onto na- <laughs> <Exactly>. federal land. <laughs> do not be smoking no grass here because you will fucking get in trouble if you're caught and it's because it's federal land. It's federally owned land. It's not state land. So anyways, yeah, you would think that a federal agency would be keeping really good track of people who are going missing but and who are dying, uh, but they are not. So Mount Rainier National Park, there's a couple disappearances, you know, never found again under strange circumstances. One's being Chet Hansen, age 27, disappeared November 13th, 1997. Again, he was a photographer, wasn't really going to go off trail. No trace of him ever found. Eric Lewis disappeared January 7th, 2010, also still missing. And then Mark Whitevin disappeared June 6th, 2010. And they both disappeared. They These two were both summiting. So, you know, it's more likely that they disappeared trying to climb and might have fallen into a crevasse, which is like a really likely thing that can happen to you trying to climb something like Mount Rainier. Now, were these people on, on the website under people that who have died? They were on the website under people who are missing and presumed dead. So the website, the National Park Service website, has a list of fatalities at Mount Rainier because I wanted to look that up, obviously. And like I said, this guy, David Polites, said they don't keep very good lists. And so when I looked on there, it listed 53 people as being missing, presumed dead, or missing, and then body recovered. And that was all that they had on file, was 53. Other sources say that 323 people have died in Mount 
Mount Rainier are presumed dead since the park opened about 100 years ago. So there's 53 on the website. 53 listed on the website. Other sources state over 300. Correct. And you personally know of, what, two or three? Yeah. Okay, so on this website, it didn't list there's six hikers that disappeared like almost three years ago. So it was uh, May uh, 2014. So just about three years ago, six people disappeared, six climbers summoning to Mount Rainier. And it was assumed that an avalanche had swept them away in the night when they were all in their tents. But those weren't listed on the website. And that was like huge, you know, because it heard was... about it on the news. Six people. Oh, yeah. Six people all at once disappeared. And not, not a whisper of it on the website. Right. Nothing on there. There was 10, 10 hikers plus one guy, so 11 people in June 1981 who also, they were known to have been in an avalanche. You know, it was presumed that an avalanche had swept their bodies off the mountain. And they also weren't on there. And they also were not on there. Now, that's a little bit, I mean, we were alive in 1981, but just Yeah, there. we were watching the news. I wasn't actually in Washington State at that point yet. I was, but I was two, so. <laughs> right. I wasn't there until I was four, so. So that, that that hadn't happened quite yet. Even last year, I know there was a hiker killed on Mount Rainier trying to summit because, like, my brother was kind of involved in rescuing his partner, his climbing partner that he was with. Right. So a storm had come up. These two were up on the mountain trying to summit. A storm comes up suddenly, and they take shelter, and the guy basically dies from hypothermia. They're holding each other all night long. And it's really sad. I mean, the gal thought that it was going to be her that died, but instead he died. He froze to death. And the next morning, like, they had sent some sort of distress thing or had their personal tracker, and so they knew that these climbers were missing and the bad weather. My brother was actually up there trying to summit himself, but because of the bad weather that hit suddenly, they stayed at base camp at Murr. So him and his friend Leanne actually are the ones who spotted the gal, the partner, coming down off the mountain after her climbing partner had died. And she, you know, had lost her ice axe, and she was suffering from hypothermia. So your brother and his friend brought her back to base camp. Right. They helped her down back to base camp. And then my brother's girlfriend was waiting with some other people in their mountaineering group in a tent and helped this woman, like, you know, slowly rewarm her. Why were they, like, cuddle up next to him well that's what they do is they take off their clothes and they get close because it's body warmth that helps right well i think they uh warmed her with like blankets and and uh water and got her rehydrated and i'm not i'm not sure how the rewarming actually happened but but yeah she She was was rewarmed nevertheless she was rewarmed yes and she just kept saying over and over my climbing partner's dead my climbing partner's dead i can't remember if they were able to recover his body. I know they had sent a helicopter up and the weather was too bad to get him down. And I think they were going to try again, but I don't recall if that happened, but you know, yeah, I know that fucking happened and that was not on the website either. That, that was just last year. So, so it's definitely, it, it was on the news not super and accurate. yeah, not super accurate. So that's at least like what six plus 11 plus that guy last year. And so, you could almost say that, like, okay, maybe it just doesn't update that much, so last year maybe is too soon. But the people from 1981. Right. That, 11 people? Add, Come it's on. It's got to update, like, what is that, like, 35 years ago? You'd think that would be updated 
with more regularity than that. Right, especially since they had stuff that happened before that on on the the site. They did have they did have a murder listed that I looked into, which was pretty weird. It was uh, Sheila Kearns, and she was last seen October 6, 1996. She actually worked for the National Park Service. She worked at Mount Rainier National Park. They and, couldn't even find their one of their own. Yeah, yeah. They searched and searched, and they didn't find any trace of her until several months later. I believe it was May 1997. They found remains, and they had to do it off dental records. So obviously not much body left or right it was wearing you know there's clothes found that were similar to what she'd been wearing and enough skeletal remains of the skull to do dental records match and it was her so they're not sure if she got lost and died of exposure or she fell but just say that they considered it a murder but it is considered a homicide though homicide yes just i don't know if it's on the assumption that she worked there and wouldn't have necessarily um i mean i i think people could have accidents at any time but just maybe the location i think it was near a campsite that they found her body so maybe it seemed like somebody grabbed her and dragged her off to the campsite and then murdered her but so they they think it's a homicide they just yeah they're based on on whatever circumstances they found her remains they think it's homicide but it is unsolved to this day well, be careful in national parks, folks. They can yes. be a dangerous place. They can be, and but uh, nonetheless, a beautiful place. I'm going to go again to a few this summer with my kids, but watch your fucking kids, for God's sakes. Well, it seems like it doesn't even matter. Like, even watching your kids, they're out of your sight for one second, and they're Yeah, just gone. don't even let them out of your sight for one second. Keep them right by your fucking side at all times. Don't let them out for one second. I mean, I did that Everyone last year. Hold hands. Three national parks. I mean, we were right together. I mean, I'm glad I have Jarek, so I have, like, my older kid, my older teenage kid, and then my two younger daughters, so it's like we're always, like, assigned, you know, like, I'm you got with one, one he's and got he's the got the other, but, yeah, I mean, some of these places that we were at obviously have big drop-offs, like Bryce Canyon we visited last year, and, you know, I mean, it's like, oh, no, you do not go more than, like, 10 feet close to the, the edge, because, you know, some of those places, there's not always a guardrail, and oh, there's right. loose gravel, and, I mean... You get too close, you slip and slide on that gravel. There are many places where you can have a fatal fall. I wonder how many people visit parks, though. I mean, there's got to be tens of thousands of people that visit these parks. So really, the amount of people that have gone missing versus the amount of people that go to these parks is probably pretty small. I got to imagine that places, especially like Yosemite, have maybe even hundreds of thousands of visitors every year from all over the world. Oh, yeah, for sure. So... It's a very small percentage. It's just that... It's a very it, small, mysterious percentage. Yes. It seems that when you do go missing, um, some of these... Yeah. Never found again is a big recurring theme here. And it's and it seems to be happened quickly and just gone without a trace. So Quickly and permanently. It's easy, I think, sometimes for people to get a false sense of security, though, when they are in a national park because... Again, it's somewhere you're going through a gate. You have to pay your fee. There's a visitor center and there's park rangers. So it's called a park. Yeah, a national park, no less. Federally it's just owned. It's like a park. Oh, I go to the park all the time with my kids. There's stuff to play, and it's a park. It's a park. But these national parks are oftentimes, you know, wildlife preserves almost. Yeah, they or are. exactly. Yeah, that. you can't hunt on them, and and there is a lot of wildlife, and some of these are they're hundreds of square miles of untamed wilderness. Yes, untamed 
wilderness that involves like huge boulders or huge drop-offs and mountains and cliffs and crazy ass disappearances right just all sorts of places that you could disappear and possibly never be found again and just be vigilant and treat it like any other situation where you would want to be aware of your own surroundings and just know that just because there are park rangers and yet go through an entrance and an exit gate that doesn't necessarily mean that you know somebody that if you get lost or injured you might still, you know, it's possible to never be found again, apparently, in these parks, no matter how many people are looking for you and how quickly the alert is put out. And who knows where these people have even gone? I mean, it's, it's the weirdest thing is that there's just a gone without a trace, like right. completely gone. And we don't really have a, an explanation for why that happens. Presumed but dead. Like, presumed oh, well, I dead. guess they're dead, but I don't know where the fuck they are. Right, because we never fucking remains, found any sign of them. Don't have any of the stuff they had with them. Everything is gone. So I think that's about it for our missing people in national parks. And again, David Paulite's book, The Missing 411. So if you want some more information on some of those disappearances and the similarities and the kind of clusters in which they happen, I would go and check his stuff out. I'm sure it's on Amazon. I'm sure it is. So thank you for listening to us tonight, and we will catch you next time. Take care now. Do you enjoy the Stranger Than podcast? Please let us know check out and like our Facebook page, facebook.com slash strangerthanpodcast, or drop us an email, strangerthanpodcast at gmail.com. That's strangerthanpodcast, all one word, at gmail.com. Also, feel free to email us any strange, mysterious, or misunderstood stories or topic suggestions that you'd like to share or hear about.